Everybody give them a hand. I told him after yesterday's meal, um, I'm going to pray, uh, dear Jesus, thank you, amen, let's go eat. Um, I have two ways of doing a wedding. I have, I've done a lot of them in a lot of years here, 40 some odd years, um, where you go through, uh, you have this man to be, I love what you're doing, blah, 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 if so, signify by. And I say, I tell a young couple, I said, I'll either do it that way or my favorite way is want them, want them, got them, let's go eat. <laughs> now, the fellas love that, but uh, the, um, the, 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 the ladies don't. I'm sorry. I have not had an opportunity to have one like that, but one of these days, perhaps, I'll have it. Would you take your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. I know it's a long day, worked a lot of hours and so forth. I've spent my time in steel mills and doing block work and brick work and um, whatnot and gone to service afterwards in the evening and so forth, and, and so it's tough. I've had the opportunity to preach in the, on the continent of Africa and a few different countries, and over there, culturally, they do things a little different in some ways. Uh, one is sometimes in some places they just have the women sit on one side and the men sit on the other. In others, I've seen uh, what they do is they have a gentleman that stands in the back and he has like a shepherd's staff, but it's a longer pole than that. And it's a stick and on the end of it is actually a knot out of a tree, you know, so the, the um, actual pole itself that finishes with a, like a round knot like that. And his purpose is standing back there is really to make sure that if anybody falls asleep, he walks up and reaches over across the crowd on the, on the bench, they don't have pews, on the bench and smack the person on top of the head, uh, get back paying attention to the preacher. Um, uh, it, I mean, obviously it's interesting, but I remember uh, hearing a story over there when I was there uh, that a fellow was in the back and he was doing it. And there was a guy who was nodding off in the service. And so he came up there quietly and the fellows, you know, he, you know, uh, bending away and so forth, and the, the fellow took that long pole and he reached over and whacked that guy. We, he didn't mean to hit him as hard as he did, knocked him right off the bench. <laughs> and so the fellow leaned over and said, man, I'm sorry. I said, I, I, he said, I, I, I didn't mean to hit you that hard. He goes, hit me again. He said, I can still hear him. <laughs> uh, so maybe tonight you'll need to actually have an extra hit as far as that, because you can still hear the guy up there. I appreciate this church. It's been a blessing to be here. Uh, with your pastor and you dear people. It's a good crowd out tonight. It's wonderful. But the purpose, as he made mention, is for us to be revived. And sometimes we don't understand that. We think it's the, the excitement, it's the songs and everything. It's when you and I draw a circle around ourselves, and that person inside that circle is revived in their Christianity. Now, that's a, for a person that knows the Lord as their Savior. I'm thankful for the pastors and getting the church going and starting working. Uh, you got to thank the Lord for the faithfulness of your pastor. And I know you'd say, well, it's, it's just a mutual admiration club. That's not true. Uh, I've been to a lot of places, a lot of churches all over our country and several places in the world, and I'm not saying that for credit. When you, the IRS is after you, you got to keep moving. Uh, but uh, the thing is, is, I mean, stay by the stuff. So be careful uh, when you point criticism you haven't ever been there. You haven't ever done that. You don't have a t-shirt. You got 
there's a lot of people that judge and pass judgment on there, but usually uh, they're, they're miserable people to anyway, uh, and they're picking criticism. Let me encourage you, the spirit of, of the Lord is here. I, I, I felt it yesterday, and I don't mean it's just a feeling and knowing it and interacting with you dear folks. It was a blessing to me. Uh, this kind of church that I wish I could go to. If I was in this area, this is where I'd go to church. Uh, I promise you, I don't say that just to pat you on the back. There's some places I've gone, I wouldn't say that. Uh, but I certainly would here appreciate your pastor and his dear family. What a blessing uh, they've been to me personally. Now, I don't know what kind of preacher I am. I'm not really concerned what other people think. I have a responsibility to give some truth. And if it's one truth that you can remember from each message, it's more than if you had several truths and couldn't remember any one. So yesterday, I talked about your dominant eye, how you look at things. You look at it from your old life, and you look at it at the new life. And look at it new life, it's a whole different perspective. And that's why Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields, they're white already to harvest. So I don't know what kind of preacher. The Lord, uh, after I got saved, allowed me a year later to go to work as an assistant pastor at a church. Uh, a couple years later, I ended up going to Bible college. Uh, as a married uh, young man, actually I was 25 when I went to Bible college, but um, when, when I got married, my wife knew she was marrying a preacher, and uh, so when we got married, it was, uh, um, uh, we moved into an apartment across from the hospital, she's a registered nurse, and she worked in a hospital at that time when I was assistant pastor, and um, one day we were moving, and uh, when we were moving, it was after some years, um, I was moving stuff out of closets and stuff, and she was gone, and I was getting things packed up, and I pulled her like a shoebox out of a closet, and I look at it, it's got rubber bands around it and everything, do not open and everything. Well, you don't tell people not to open something. <laughs> Try that with your kids. Put a box in the center of the floor and say, whatever you kids do, don't look in that box. You've got to be kidding. So anyway, I, I took the rubber bands off, I looked in the box, and lo and behold, there were three eggs and $5,000 in that box. So when she got home, I had a couple questions. I said, sweetheart, I found this box. You weren't supposed to. Well, I did open it, and there's three eggs, and, what, and there's all this money. She said, well, when I married you, I knew I was marrying a preacher. And so uh, I decided that when you preach, when, if you laid an egg, now that's an expression that I kind of grew up with. If you just bombed it, you know, it just fell off the front of the pulpit. She said, I was going to put an egg in that box. Well, I didn't feel too bad. There was only three eggs in that box. I said, well, that explains the A's. What about the $5,000? She said, well, every time I got a dozen, I sold them. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of preacher I am. John, the 10th chapter. John, the 10th chapter. Read the first seven verses there. I'll ask you to follow along with me as I read aloud. Uh, hopefully you have a King James Bible. If you don't, it's going to sound different to you. But that's all right. We can get the right Bible in your hands if you'd like. Uh, John, the 10th chapter. Look at verse 1. It says, verily, verily, I say unto you that he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Let me say this. Tonight, there's a lot of religions in our world. I don't have to explain that to you. I mean, there's a, a, a lot of them. But there's really only two religions in the world. One says, I, got the, I get to heaven by what I do. Going to church, um, you know, lighting candles, blowing them out, or being good deeds and everything else, that's a religion of works. The other gets to heaven by going through the door. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the door. The only way you and I can go to heaven is through Christ. You belong to a church, you're a member for 
eons of time or whatever, going in a church doesn't make you a Christian anymore than going in a garage makes you a mechanic. So the idea is, is you have to come through the sheepfold or into the sheepfold, you have to come through the door and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In January 1973, I was stamped something when I was born, like most people, a religion. And if when somebody asked me until I was 22, you know, what, what church do you go to? I don't go to any, but uh, what, what religion are you? And I told them what it was, but it was just stamped something when I was a kid. But when I received Christ as my Savior as a young man, I went through the door and got in the sheepfold. So this thought tonight has to do with those that are in the fold. Now, if you're outside the fold, you're a religious person or... Let me tell you something. Religion is man's attempt to get to heaven. Christianity is God sending his son to pay the price and you receiving that as your savior. I should say him as your savior and what he did for you. And that's getting, that's being born again into God's family. So here when it's talking about, he said, no man can enter in, a thief and a robber comes in another way. You don't make it. You don't make it. It's only through Christ. I stand before God and he says, Tim, why should I let you into my kingdom? I say, because of what Jesus Christ did for me 2,000 years ago on a cross. And I received him in January 1973 as my savior. And I'm on my way to heaven. I'm part of the family because of that. That's the only way you get in. So tonight, if you need to trust Christ, tonight's the night to do it. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, I pray that you bless, help us in the message tonight. May it be an encouragement and a help to each and every one. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you in a personal way, they've never trusted you, they, they may say they believe in you, but the devil believes in you as well. But he can't be saved, and they can't be saved until they trust you exclusively. Not religion, but a relationship. So I pray that you bless the thought in Christ's name. Amen. Look, if you will, there in verse 2, it says, But he that entereth into the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers." This parable uh, spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were uh, which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Got to go through the door, uh, obviously, and get in. Here it says, My, my sheep hear my voice. Tonight, what I, my, my thought is hearing the Lord's voice. Hearing the Lord's voice. Now, the Bible says we can. My sheep know my voice. They hear my voice. They know me. A stranger they won't listen to. Now, it's a matter of being his sheep, and that's getting into the fold, and they hear it. Revival is not only seeing things from God's perspective, but also hearing the Lord as he leads us in life. What do we actually mean when we say we want to know the will of the Lord or the desire of the Lord? What it means is we want to know his plan for our lives. You are the only one of your kind. 
probably like me, your family's glad you're, there's only one of you. And I know they were for me. But the fact is, God has a plan for your life. You don't know exactly what it is. I would have never thought in a kajillion years, Brother Johnny, that I'd be standing behind a pulpit. I did a funeral service for a classmate of mine in high school the other day, and they're sitting there, these people I went to school with 55 years ago, um, going, I can't even believe it. That's Tim Young up there. I knew you when I said, yeah, and I've been trying to forget for over 50 years uh, what you're about to say. You see, we want his guidance in specific decisions so we can make wise choices. So you've got to hear the voice of the Lord in order to follow that path that he has for you in your individual life. What I'm doing is proclaiming a truth, and what a preacher does is proclaim a truth that you and I are to embrace in our lives so we hear what he's saying to us. Now be careful. When you say God said something, be careful you're not indicting him <laughs> in the sense of bringing him into your false accusation. You better know that that's what the Lord wants you to do. People come to me and they want to make a decision. Uh, they want to know what the Lord would have. And I'd say, pray for 30 days. If you don't know it is God's will, then don't do it. It's not a chance. It's not a multiple choice. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose, and he has a, a person for you. If you're a young person and you're uh, uh, not married and someday you're hoping to get married, I know some of you guys haven't got a chance. Forget it. Uh, but, Lincoln. but the thing is, is God has somebody for you. So don't be in a hurry. Wait for the Lord. He's got a perfect life for you. When you say, mean, never have a problem, blue skies, placid seas, no. But he'll be with you every step of the way. What we want to do is, like the children of Israel that followed the cloud by day and the pillar of fire protecting them by night, they want the cloud, uh, today, they want the cloud to follow them. They want God to accept and approve everything that they do. That's not how it works. He said to the children of Israel, I want you to stop here because that's where the cloud stops and that's where the pillar of fire is. And when it moves, you move. That's the Lord's leading. So what we should desire as Christians and believers is that the Lord would lead our lives regardless of what age we are and what particular situation we happen to be in our life. It's still the Lord has a plan for our lives. He still has a plan for my life. And I'm excited about that. That it isn't concluded. It's not over. And that means today, and you say, well, you don't, you don't really know what it's like to be a young person. Do you know what my last name is? It's young. I've been young all my life. My, my wife married me so she could stay young all her life. Now, it has worked for her and worked for me. But uh, the fact is, is that, no, we, you know, we may be old. Well, of course, old this way, too. But we may be old, but from here up, we still have a, a mind and a remembrance of what life is. And so it's not a matter of saying, well, you don't know how hard it is. I mentioned to somebody yesterday, when I got saved, I was in college. I had worked at Eastman Kodak for two years uh, and taking architectural drafting or drawing uh, in uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. And then I saw somebody that had been doing that for 40 years and I didn't want to look like that after 40 years. Now, I'm not talking about computers. I'm talking about when they used to draw a line you know, at a drafting board. And I thought, man, I don't want to look like that after 40 years. 
So I went to school for phys ed. And uh, I went to a school down by New York City. And in order to pay my way through college, yeah, that was back when you paid your own way. Uh, I had three jobs. I worked at a library, the public library. My responsibility is put books back on the shelves uh, according to the Dewey Decimal System. Well, I was unsaved, and I had to put these books back on shelves. And one shelf looked as good as another. I'm sure they're still looking for books that I put back in the library. I apologize. I was lost, okay? Uh, another job, I was on the security at the college. Now, we didn't carry any firearm or anything like that. We wrote tickets to people that parked in the wrong place and really you know, important things like that. But it did pay. I think we got $2.25 an hour. I think it was that. My third job, I was a bartender. And, come on, breathe. <laughs> All right. uh, I, I was a bartender. Now, the reason I was a bartender, because it was cheaper on that side and it was on the other side to drink. Uh, I don't know if you did or not, but I, you know, I'm the, you know, uh, but anyway, it was cheaper on that side, it wasn't the other, but you know what? I got saved, and I went back and told, I didn't, nobody said anything. Nobody said, Tim, you shouldn't be doing that. I mean, that's, that's, that's a sin, and that, you know, participate in that, helping destroy people's lives. I got saved back in Rochester. It was five hours away. I hitchhiked back. That was when you could hitchhike. Some of us remember those were the days cross-country, back and forth. I would not suggest it now at all. But I hitchhiked back down to the city, and um, I mean, I had all kinds of crazy rides. I promise you that. But anyway, went back, went to work, and I worked in the library, worked at, and then finally I did find a church, but it was, a, a, it was deader than Job's turkey. I mean, that thing had everybody, the average age was like 70. You know, and I was the youngest guy. They put me in a Sunday school class, and there was a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old in that class. And here you are, 22 years old, and these little bitty chairs with my knees up here, you know, sitting there on these little bitty chairs. But you know, I went to my boss, Bob Lynch, and I said, Bob, you know what, I'm going to quit. I, I'd worked for him for two years. He said I was, he, I was his best tender. That's what he said. I'm not saying that, but he said that. And, I said, and he said, well, how come? And I said, I really couldn't answer him. I didn't know that much about what had taken place in my life. I just knew that it was wrong, me participating. It was a college pub. Uh, it was called The Shack, and it was um, a shack. But uh, the thing is, is it was all college students and everything. And I'm thinking, here were these World War II veterans who never had a chance, who lived through the Depression, my, you know, my, like my dad and mom, he was uh, in the Pacific during World War II. He comes home and starts a family. His kids grow up, and really four out of five of us end up you know, with college degrees, which was, I mean, even to finish high school was something they hadn't done. And then the fact is, go to college, and I'm thinking, here's some people whose mom and dads have great hope that they're going to make something in their life, to get an opportunity to go to college, and I was in a position where I was helping them destroy their life. And some of them never made it through college just because of getting messed up as far as that. So I said, Bob, I, I don't know why exactly, but the Lord changed, started changing my life, and he will you. And as the preacher said, it's a great life. There's nothing back there I want, I promise you. Not at all. There's something worth living for, and it's the Lord. But once you are called into his sheepfold, and you're allowed to go in, obviously through Christ, you're in a place where you hear his voice, and that's what he's talking about here. It helps us to know what we're supposed to do. We want his guidance in specific decisions so that we can make wise choices. We desire his direction. 
in the circumstances of life when we ask him, praying and asking the Lord. In Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 4, uh, the Lord said, and it goes on by saying, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's in Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 4. Not a, but stay in the tenth chapter. We'll come, we're going to be reading some verses or looking at some verses. That word proceedeth means that it not only means that it, proceed, it proceeded in the past or went out in the past, it means that presently God's word goes out and it will in the future. It's a continuum, if you please, of God's word going out, God speaking to us through the book that he wrote and preserved, inspired and preserved so you and I could have a copy of it and know how God would have us to live. And he challenges us through it. Let me read something to you by an unknown author. It says this, at least one time every sermon, God breaks through the words of the preacher and speaks directly to the people. It may be in a single sentence or in just one phrase. We can well afford to listen to the entire discourse with care lest we miss that one illuminated and searching sentence in which God speaks to us, a sentence that brings conviction, penance, uh, hope, strength, and renewed faith. So many of us miss that one special word from God because we are comparing the preacher's manner with that of some other preacher we have heard recently. From now on, just listen intently for that one portion God intends to be applied specifically to your heart. And that's so true when you think about it. Uh, I mentioned uh, the other day or yesterday, the thing is, is our son uh, was called to the mission field, uh, going to the Philippines. Well, the guy that was preaching was a missionary in Africa. <laughs> and he said, Dad, uh, I believe God's called me to be a missionary in the Philippines. I said, don't you mean Africa? No, I mean... <laughs> thinking, the guy just preached on Africa, you know, and told about Africa, and you want to go to the Philippines? Um, but anyway, the fact is, is God spoke to him about that. But you know what he did? He opened his heart to receive whatever God had for him. And that's what I'd encourage you to do in your life, is open your heart to what God would have you to know and do in your life, and you're hearing his words. And during a message, whether the preacher's preaching or somebody, uh, guest uh, speaker, you're checking me out as far as how tall he is, his hair's all white, you know. Uh, I've got a salmon tie. Is that salmon or something? And my, my wife picked it out. I know the eight basic colors. That's all I know. Red, blue, green. Yeah, I mean, that's all I know. All those other mixes and whatnot. Uh, I'm not sure what they are. But anyway, the fact is, is in some message, God spoke to you if you're listening. When we look at the word, word, it articulates a concept, an idea, a thought. For example, Jesus is called the word of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten son of God. The word. These are divine twins. Jesus is the living word, and obviously the Bible's the written word. But they're divine twins. He said to those, uh, uh, those or said to the Pharisees in that day, he said, you look in them and you search for them for eternal life in the Old Testament. He says, but it's they which speak of me. See, he's, he is a, a divine twin of the word of God. In Jonah, the first chapter, um, 
It says, verse 1, you don't need to turn there. It says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah. The Lord spoke to Jonah. He still does. John, the 12th chapter, verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. In John, John the 8th chapter, verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my words. Revelation, the, the first chapter. Uh, verse 7, it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit hath to say unto the church. It's a matter of hearing God's voice. Speak to your heart. And it may be you exclusively in a, in a matter of a message and God speaks to you about being saved or God speaks to you about committing your life in a, a new way that you had not conceived or maybe solidified what you might be thinking that God would have you to do and all of a sudden you say, you know what, I'm going to do it. You see, your pastor came and started a church here because he knew there were people that needed the Lord. If he would have responded like many times Christians do, he wouldn't be here as a pastor. He would just not have responded. He would have said, well, you know, I'm thinking maybe that's what I need to do is, you know, maybe pastor and start a church in an area. I feel like they need a gospel preaching, a gospel light, if you please. So he had to step out whether it was in a message, whether he was by himself praying or reading the Bible, I don't know when it was. I never did ask him. But the fact is, at one point, he said, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. Because the Lord spoke to him. You say, was it audible? I don't think it was audible. I think that the Lord spoke to his heart, his spirit bearing witness with his spirit, what he ought to do. And he can do the same thing with you as well and with me as well. There's many voices in this world. And we have to be careful to make sure we're hearing the Lord's voice rather than some other voice. There's the voice of man. Peter said this, we ought to obey God rather than man. Some of us are living our life based on what other people think, say, and do. We never compare it to see whether that's what God would have us to do. He's our father. He wants to bless us. But we limit him in what he's able to do in our life because we're listening to man's voice, our friend's voice, the group's voice, the contemporary voice, uh, the modern-day philosophy in young people's lives. We're listening to man's voice rather than God's voice. Sometimes the voice of man can give good wisdom and advice. But anytime it conflicts with the voice of the Lord, which is the Word of God, then you take the Word of God and not the advice of man. Not that a matter of that person's bad, though they may, if they're leading you in the wrong direction, that would obviously be wrong. So there's a voice of man that we can hear if we're not careful and we'll listen to it. There's the voice of Satan, our enemy. In Matthew, the fourth chapter, Jesus is responding as he's tempted. He responds uh, to what uh, the, the devil is tempting him to do. But he refused him. He said, it is written. It is written. That's how he responded to Satan's voice. It is written. It is written. Three times he said, it is written. He's referring to the Bible as obviously that, that strength uh, that you and I have to refute the devil when he's trying to get us to do something that we shouldn't. There's a voice of self. So you got the voice of man, surroundings. We have to be careful. We have an en enemy. Now, the devil doesn't hate you. He hates God. And he knows that God loves you. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He doesn't hate you. He hates God. And so God loves you. So if you want to get at Tim Young, you go after somebody I love or care about. That's going to hurt me more than if you come after me. And so the devil goes after you and draws you away and into a world of discouragement, depression, immorality, ungodly behavior, dishonesty or whatever. He's trying to get you. You know, the devil's been working with our model for 6,000 years. He knows our besetting sin. He knows what you'll fall for. It may be, you may be a, a critical person, a gossip, a backbiter. You may be dishonest. You know, he knows what to put in front of you. It may be money you'll go after. He knows how to draw that to you. And so the thing is, he's not, he's not drawing you to himself. He wants you to do your will. Now, some people go over and actually do his will, live, live for the devil. But the fact is, is, he doesn't want you to follow him. He just wants you to follow yourself. Make your own decision. That's what he said to Eve in Genesis, the third chapter. When he said, when he said can, can you eat of every tree? And she said, every tree but the tree in the middle, we can't eat that because the day we eat thereof, that day we shall surely die. He said, you aren't going to die. He lied. He said, you're going to be just like God deciding what's good, what's good and what's evil. And you know what the greatest battle we have is deciding what we think is okay and what's not okay. Rather than realizing God has already qualified what's okay and what's not okay. I don't think it's so bad. And I think everybody's doing it. What we're doing is justifying our own decision-making process. So there's a voice of Satan. And there's a voice of self. We talk ourselves ourself into things. In Jeremiah, the 10th chapter, verse 23, it says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you and I need to be careful. We don't even know what tomorrow may bring. God does. And so what we want to do is say, Lord, direct my steps. Help me to walk in that way you'd have me to walk and do those things I should. I don't know what tomorrow may bring, but he does. And in so doing, he's directing our steps because it's not in the heart of man. I have uh, eight grandsons and one granddaughter. And one of the grandsons, his name is Tim Young. He's 10 years old. Call him Timmy. Uh, and so I, when he was a little boy, I'd say, my name is Tim Young, too. He goes, it is not. <laughs> it's Grandpa. It's, okay. Um, and so our son, Jack, pastors a church, or he pastored a church, and now in a second uh, church there, not far from us, about 20 miles, but he pastored uh, probably 150 miles from us in the Adirondack Mountains, which is the northern part of New York, and Fort Drum is there. Fort Drum was the most deployed uh, fort in the whole United States because of, uh, they have the 10th Mountain Division up there, and obviously because of Afghanistan and so forth. And so he ministered to a lot of military people, but they had a home there, and in the kitchen, the, um, there wasn't any soffits where the cupboards came up to. It was open above the cupboards, and it was a high ceiling. And so what Julie, our daughter-in-law, she's a pharmacist. She's a legal drug dealer. Um, <laughs> 
She's got a license to do that. Um, but the thing is, is when the kids would get candy, she'd put it in this container and she put it up on the shelf, way up top above, on the cupboard above the stove and stuff like that. Well, one day she went upstairs and Timmy Young, um, he decided he was gonna get some candy. So while his mother's upstairs, he climbs up the counter. Now he was just a little kid, like five years old, six years old. And uh, he climbs up and then he gets up on the shelf. He opens the cupboard, climbs the shelf up and he's on top of the, the, the cupboards up there. And he's got the lid off the cover and he's like this. And his mother comes down, he didn't know it, and said, Timmy! And he looked and he said, I listened to the devil. <laughs> he's only five or six. She said, you didn't listen to the devil, you listened to you. Yeah, he was, had a good start for Flip Wilson, if you remember that guy. Um, but the fact is, is, I mean, he was trying to point it off. He was listening to himself. He wanted some candy, and he was going to do it. That's five or six years old. You know, so nobody had to teach a child how to, be, how to lie. Now, this is how you tell a lie. This, you don't have to teach a child how to take something that's not theirs. Our, our nature is fallen and broken. And when Christ comes in, he gives us a new life to live that's worth living, no doubt about it. So many times we listen to our own self in that. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. A stranger they will not follow. So it's a matter of hearing the Lord's voice in your living, your Christianity. Believers are compared to sheep. It's a characteristic of sheep not to know where they're going. They have to be led. And so he calls us his sheep. So this idea, I know what I'm doing, I know where I'm going, I got it all figured out. Really? One of these days you're going to find out there's a bridge out on the road you were headed. And it's a long way back. Years ago, I was traveling from the Chicago area back to Rochester, New York. I'm, I'm east of Rochester, about 20 miles. Um, it's in the town of Palmyra is where I pastor. Palmyra is where Joe Smith started Mormonism. I went there in 1980 to find those gold tablets that he lost. Gold, gold was up back in 1980. I, you know, now, I never did find the gold tablets, but I found a lot of people as far as that. Went back there and started a church in the area that I grew up in. But I was traveling back 600 miles or so. I'm driving through the night. It's probably 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm starting to see cows hitchhiking. You know, you know if you ever drive a long time, you know, and I've done a lot of it. Uh, but the fact is, I'm, I'm driving through the night, and I'm driving on 80 and 90. They're running together. They get near Toledo, Ohio, and they break off, and 80 keeps on going. It goes north of Philly. Or, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh. It goes north of Pittsburgh a little bit, and 90 bears up and goes into Cleveland and then goes on to Buffalo. So I'm driving. I'm seeing 80, 90, 80, 90, 80, 90, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80. All of a sudden, I'm on 80, and I am yet to pull through one of those emergency things that the police do. You, if you want to do it, you can do it. But I get caught. <laughs> I mean, it started when I was a little kid. I'd get caught. And so anyway, I have to drive to the next exit because it's, you know, I've got the median there. I get off, pay the toll, do a U-turn, go right back on, get the new ticket. This was a few years ago. And so I get back on, I'm driving 80, 80. I've got to go back to 90 so I can go up to Cleveland. I went 30 miles the wrong way. 
Do you know the longest part of that trip was going back to Route 90? That 30 miles took me forever. I mean, I, because I, actually, think about it, I went 60 miles out of my way. But it was that 30 miles that was eating my lunch. So when you make decisions in your life and you get going down the wrong path and you all of a sudden realize you're on the wrong road and you got to go back, some people are saying, I'm not willing. If I'd have said, forget it, I'll just keep going. I'll go by Pittsburgh. I'll go on to Philly or something like that. I won't go home. No, I was headed up to home. And sometimes people do that in their life. And sometimes when you got to go back and get on the right road, it may take you a little time. But it's okay, because once you get on the right road, you end up at the right place. So Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice in that. So there's prerequisites, obviously, to hearing his voice. Obviously, there's a difference between those who uh, heard his voice and those who didn't. Some people, they hear the same message, the same truth, but never hear God's voice speaking to them and drawing them into the fold, salvation. And then there's those who are God's children that aren't listening. How many here have children? They're maybe grown or whatever. Okay. Did you ever say to your kids, did you hear me? Now, you don't mean did they hear you. They heard you, but they weren't listening. Okay. <laughs> they heard exactly what you said, but they didn't hear you. Were you listening when I told you to do such and such? So there are people that hear the Lord, and they're hearing it now as far as what the Lord said, but the fact is they're not listening. But there are those that are listening, and those that listen are going to make a choice and a change in their life to serve the Lord. Re reviving is getting back to where we once listened to the Lord. We looked in the scriptures. We listened to his voice. We prayed and said, Lord, you know, which way should I drive to work today? Or, you know, what should I do with this uh, extra money? Or what should I do with my family? What should I do with my boy that I'm trying to rear? What should I do? You don't ask the Lord about that? He's got a perfect way for you to go. And, he, and obviously he wants us to go. Look in verse 3 of the 10th chapter. He says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Leadeth them out. First thing is this matter of salvation. They hear his voice. How many, how many here uh, know what a dog whistle does? A dog, it's, it's for a whistle for a dog. How many here have no idea what I'm talking about, a dog whistle? Okay, that doesn't mean the dog blows it, okay? I'm not talking about a dog whistle, okay? I'm talking about a dog whistle. All right, a dog whistle is so high-pitched that only the dog could hear it. You folks that have hair the same color as mine, or should be, um, remember when those cereal boxes came and they always had a prize in them and a gift? And I can still remember pouring all the Cheerios out into a bowl to get to the gift that they put on the bottom. And one time, it was a dog whistle. Now, we had a dog. His name was Spook. Um, and uh, we got him for a dollar. I think I just lost something there. Maybe it was me. Right, we're back on. We're good. Um, but the fact is, is that we got that dog. And he was a great dog for five kids to be reared around. I mean, he was a motorcycle sometimes, you know, grab his ears, you know, and stuff. He was pretty docile in that. But anyway, we got that dog whistle. We thought this would be cool. We didn't know a whole lot about it. We were just widow kids. And so we got that whistle. We're like blowing the fire out of that. 
you know, and couldn't hear nothing. I'm saying, this thing doesn't even work. The dog's like this. <laughs> you know, he's got a twitch, you know, he can hear that high-pitched sound, you know. And I mean, we couldn't have a dumb whistle, we throw it away, it doesn't do any good. You know, the dog, like, you know, goes in the spastic response on that thing. Because he gets so high-pitched. Do you know, when the Lord speaks and we listen, it, it causes us to do something and somebody can hear the same thing and hear it, but not listening. It doesn't change anything in their life. They can sit in the same church, in the same pew. They can sit and hear the same message, and the same invitation, the same scripture read, and one say, you know what I'm going to do? God wants me to go into full-time Christian service. God wants me to teach a Sunday school class. The Lord wants me to start sharing the gospel with other people and pass out gospel tracts. That's what the Lord wants me to do. Another one says, good night. Is he ever going to shut up? One's listening, one's not. They're all hearing, but some are listening and some are not. And so Jesus said this. He said in verse 3, he said, My sheep hear my voice, or the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. He knows our name. He knows us individually. So salvation is first. Secondly, the matter of the people being receptive to his voice. Look at verse 4. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. That's receiving what he said. Hearing, obviously, his voice and understanding, listening, is certainly getting us in the sheepfold and realizing God has something for us. He knows our name. And then when he leads us out, he said, and my sheep follow me. If you're not following Jesus, you need to find out whether you're part of the fold or not. You say, well, I'm a member of a church. That's not his fold. You use that word church. It's really a tragedy because it gives the, it gives the idea that it's a structure or a, a, an association. The church is a body of believers. And if you're not a believer in the fact of what Jesus calls, then you're not part of a church. You're not part of a congregation. You're not part of a, a body, an ecclesia of the church. And so it's important for us to understand because when he leads us out, we follow him because the sheep know. And then look at the last uh, part of verse 4. For they know his voice. Why are, you doing, why, why are you doing that? You know, I feel like the Lord, the Lord wants me to do that because we've heard his voice. He leads us out. We, re we receive him and we do those things. My sheep follow me. And then Hebrews, the fourth chapter, says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So you can hear the word of God, but if you don't exercise faith. Faith, I live about two, two hours from Niagara Falls. And uh, years ago, back in the 1980s, there was a Walenza family. Now, recently, it is Nick Walenza walked across uh, Grand Canyon and everything else. Well, his great-great-granddaddy or whatever, how down the line, what he did is he strung a cable. They came from England or Europe, and they strung a cable across Niagara Falls. And thousands of people came to watch him. He said he was going to walk across on that cable, about a two-inch cable that went across. How many have ever been to Niagara Falls? 
Anybody ever riding the Maid of the Mist, the, the boat that runs out? Okay, all right, that's cool. I mean, um, when I went with my family, my wife's face was here. Uh, my daughter's face was here because she was holding my daughter, and my five-year-old boy's face was here. They never saw anything. You know, you go over by the Canadian Falls there, the Horseshoe Falls like that, and you get up close, it's like, good night in the morning. Uh, go over there in a barrel? What are you, crazy? But anyway, walk across it on a cable? Uh, so anyway... Um, he got there to walk. There was people on the Canadian side. There was people on the American. Thousands of people. Because people like to watch something that's death-defying. You ever find out there's a house fire and you're trying to get as close as you can to see it? How come? You know? Whoa, it's a house fire. Did you see it? I really feel bad for the family. Whoa, it was a great fire. Okay, that's the human nature, you know. So they got there and he said, uh, he was getting ready to walk across. And he said to the crowd, he said, how many here believe that I can walk across that? cable onto the other side and get back. Well, you know, about a couple of people raised their hand. I think most of them had alligator arms, you know. When he's, it's like a guy, you know, when you're sitting at a table and you're just finished eating and everybody says, I got the check, I got the check. And the guy's got an alligator arm. I got the check. You know, he doesn't do this, you know. Um, so the thing is, is so a few people raised their hand. So he took a balance beam, walked across that thing, all the way across, came back all the way to the back, and he got there. And boy, and everybody thought that was amazing. And so he went through a couple things. He rode a bicycle across there. And one of the things he did is he took a wheelbarrow, took the tire off the, the wheel, uh, front wheel, and had that concave rim and grabbed all the handles with the balance beam across there. And he, he said, how many here believe I can push this wheelbarrow across and bring it back? More people are believing it. They raise, this, raise their hand, and he pushes the wheelbarrow across, and he comes back, and boy, everybody's, you know, foaming at the mouth. They just think this guy's amazing. And he was. And it, or whatever you'd call it, crazy. But um, he gets back and he said, how many here believe I can push this wheelbarrow across with somebody in it? Everybody raised their hand because they'd seen him done all these things. He walked up, somebody had their hand done, up and said, get in. <laughs> That's the difference of exercising faith. Oh, I believe Jesus can take me to heaven. I believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. I believe he's the door to the sheepfold. Then get in. And if you get in that wheelbar, he gets you there. You don't do anything but shut up and hang on. I, I, you know, I'm just kidding about the shut up and hang on. But you know what I mean? I'll tell you what, you give me the wheelbar, I'm closing my eyes too. Beside. But the fact is, is he gets you there. That's faith. You don't get saved. For by grace, his gift, through faith that you're getting in the wheelbar, you get eternal life. I'm going to heaven because of what he did. I just got in the wheelbarrow back in 1973, and I'm on my way to heaven because he's the one that's taken me there. If you haven't done that, you need to do that. Receptive, attentive. We need to listen to what he's saying. Moses, when he said to the burning, from the burning bush, the Lord did it, said, Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. Moses shed his shoes. And he commanded him what he was going to do, and Moses did. He went back to Egypt. And there, God used him. He listened to his voice. In 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, you don't need to turn there. We know the story of Elijah, how he fled and got up on a mountain, and he was away from you know, everything, and the Lord wanted to meet with him. And so all of a sudden, the Bible tells us that there was a, uh, a wind, a great wind that came, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. Then it says there was a great earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. Then there was a great fire. But God wasn't in the fire. Then a voice, a still voice. 
and the Lord spoke to Elijah. You see, sometimes we think it's got to be unbelievable, paint the sky, make this happen, make the sun go back so many degrees you know, during the day or whatever. But the still small voice, he speaks to you. You know what he's saying. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't live that way. Get yourself to church. You know what the preacher is saying is right, not because of the preacher, because it's the word of God. And, Mo, and Elijah heard the Lord when he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? He had a plan for his life. So the purpose of hearing the Lord's voice is in verse 3. It says to him, the porter openeth and the sheep hear his voice, and he called us his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. The first thing is communion, the fellowship with the Lord, that walking with the Lord. You know, when I, before I got married, I lived in a bachelor apartment. And I, I, when I got undressed at night to go to bed, my shirt got hung on top of the, uh, excuse me, on the doorknob of my bedroom. And my britches, so I was going on the next day, got hung on the, on the top of the door. Only makes sense. Why would you put them in a closet? Then have to get them out. Why do you make the bed every morning? You're just going to mess it up the next. Come on, fellas, help me out here. Uh, you don't wash all the dishes because all you need is a plate and a fork. Wash the plate and the fork. You need that meal. I, I'm not quite that bad, honestly. Well, maybe a little. But the thing is, when I got married, things changed. Somebody came in to live with me. First night, I went to take and hang my shirt on that door or door knob and hang my britches on that door a still small voice says get those britches off that door get them hung up in the closet uh, and when I got saved a still small voice and I don't try to mimic I'm not mimicking my wife I'm just using it as a light expression but the fact is the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart and we know what we're about to do isn't what the Lord would have us to do still small voice it's a fellowship it's this matter of comprehending he said they hear his voice. That hear is not just a matter of audi you know, hear audibly, and I don't mean you know, in an audible way. I mean hear his voice. It means comprehending what he's asking us to do. So there's the compliance that takes place uh, there. Not only the communion, but you got the comprehension. And then he says in verse 4, he says, The sheep follow me. In 1 John, the second chapter, verse 3, it says, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. We know that we know him if we do what he wants us to do. That's hearing his voice and doing it. Again, Revelation, the first chapter, verse 7 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit hath to say unto the church. Churches. Now, the thing is, is when we do that, we think of a, a, you know, a building, a group of people. He's talking about his assembly, his body, supposedly my mind's supposed to tell my body what to do. What happens a lot of times is my body tells my mind what to do. My mind says, hey, it's time to get up. My body says, shut up. Stay in bed. What do you want to get up at this ungodly hour? Now, the thing is, now you don't ever have that problem. You, there's something you, want, you don't want to do or your body you don't want to do with your body and the fact is you know in your heart but the thing is your body tells your mind what to do when it should be under subjection of the Lord so your mind controls your body. But you don't do that. And what would help you? Knowing the Lord in your life. Because the Lord doesn't want you. He'll give you the strength. John the 16th chapter, how be it when he... The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, 
But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So in other words, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence, and his purpose is to, to guide us in truth. Have, have a, a, somebody to direct our lives. The Bible was given in 2 Timothy, the third chapter. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's why it was given, so we could have those things. So this Bible ought to be part of your daily diet. How many eat most every day? <laughs> I was going to say every day, but... That's our spiritual diet right there. Read your Bible. You still don't understand it. Keep reading. It's okay. And I, I, I read the Bible, and I thought, my favorite book of the Bible when I first got saved going to church was a table of contents. <laughs> and hopefully, when he said Deuteronomy, I had some idea what letter it started with anyway. You know, being aware with, and about the time he after finished reading the verse, I found it, what page number it was on, you know, if you've ever been there. But the thing is, I kept pursuing, I kept looking after. And as a result, God opens the Bible to you and you start seeing how it fits together. It's a perfect book, but it's our diet. President Franklin Roosevelt, who was elected four times, he did not serve the entirety of 16 years. In fact, he died shortly after he was inaugurated on his fourth term. Apparently, he had gotten weary from all the state, state dinners and so forth and dignitaries that would come through the White House and sitting there greeting and shaking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hands as they came in and greeted him and he would greet them. After so many years of doing that, he thought he would change it up a little, see if anybody was really listening to him when he, when he greeted them in some way or mentioned something. And as people came through this one particular time, he said to them, as he greeted them with his big, broad smile, he said, I killed my grandmother this morning. You know, you got commotion going on in the White House and people stand in line, they're going to shake hands with the president and everything. So, you know, people were just a little bit, you know, nervous anyway. And so whether they even heard what he said and so forth, that they shake. And many people, after he said, I killed my grandmother this morning, um, they would say, oh, that's wonderful and keep up the good job. And, you know, everything else, they, they were, you know, they, they were just, they weren't listening to what he was saying. Finally, a French diplomat, this was based on his own rendition of it, a French diplomat, apparently, you know, when you learn a foreign language, you're more in tune to what the person's saying rather than just hear noise. And when he shook his hand, he said, I killed my grandmother this morning. And the French diplomat shaking his hand and, and said, I'm sure she deserved it. And went on, you know, as far as that. And, you know, a lot of times we don't hear what is being said in the sense of digesting. You know, the idea is we need to hear the voice of the Lord. Are we really listening when the Lord speaks? All the messages your pastors preached, all the challenges and encouragement to trust Christ, you, you've heard it and heard it. But you've got to comprehend it. You've got to listen to it. My question is, do you belong to him? I don't mean you're a church member or you believe in God. The Bible says the devil does. He shudders at that. And by the way, if that's all you do, you should shudder too because you're not in the fold. 
It's only through trusting Christ. If you're God's child, I don't care how long you've been saved. I've been saved for 48 years. Let me tell you something. I'm still a child of God, not an adult of God. You say, well, you seem to have a lot of fun and you make fun and stuff like that. Yeah, I met a grown-up once and decided never to become one. <laughs> the thing is, is if you're God's child, that's what you are. And by the way, a child always wants to be around a parent for security, safety, direction. As a Christian, are you listening when he speaks? Or are you judging? You got your, I mean, you've come to a place now where you've been around, you've all heard it and everything else. You're missing so much. I've been, I've been doing this for a while. I figured out a few things. I'm going to keep it, as the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, the simplicity that is in Christ. It's just really simple. Jesus said, except you become a child, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. Pretty simple. And growing doesn't mean in this idea of becoming an adult, but becoming well-informed as a child of God as to how we have to live our lives. Let's all stand together, bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the thought tonight, and maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know for sure if they died today, they'd go to heaven. Perhaps there's a young lady here. Yet perhaps there's a young man. Perhaps there's an adult here that needs to know the Lord, that realizes they're not in the fold. They have a desire to, but they don't know what it is to commune with God and to commune with the Lord Jesus Christ. But tonight, maybe, they heard his voice. I pray they'd respond. Lord, I pray for every child of God. Lord, that we'd keep ourselves fresh. We keep ourselves listening as though it was the very first time we ever heard the word of God or ever heard a word from the Lord or were impressed of the Lord, that we'd be excited about it. We'd be thankful for it. We'd be reminded of some great truth and be refreshed because of it, because it tells about how great you are. May we be excited about our Christianity. I pray that you bless the thought you said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Lord, help us to follow. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking about. Maybe Lord challenged you in your own walk with the Lord as a Christian. Maybe you need to get to the altar and say, Lord, help me. I know what he's talking about. I haven't heard from you in a long time, and I need to hear from you. I need to have my heart opened up and have you speak to me about what kind of husband I am, what kind of wife I am, what kind of mother I am, what kind of laborer I am. Maybe this, this evening you need to come and, and get that right with the Lord. As she plays, you come. The altar's yours. Use it as the Lord leads. People are coming down to the altar. But if, if you're out there tonight and you are not sure that if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven. If you're not coming down, every head bowed, every eye closed, just slip your hand up. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Anybody like that? Anybody else? You're not sure that if you died right now, that you'd go to heaven, and you want to know. Anyone else? Any more hands? 
People are still coming. Anybody else, you're not sure that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven, but you want to know. Don't be ashamed. Everyone needs to get saved. You know the Lord's speaking to your heart. Anybody else? Anybody else like to get saved? Well, everybody waits. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I messed up. I have too many things in my past for God to use me. Well, let's just say this. Tonight, let it all be erased. You get to start fresh and new. You get to start fresh and new every day with Jesus. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Every day, there's mercy for you. But with that mercy, he's going to help you live according to his plan. If you're his sheep, listen to his voice in your life. Aren't you tired of following your own will? God's got something greater for you. You just got to give in. Give in to his will. Hear his voice. Hear his voice while he's still speaking. Lord, I thank you, Father, for that message. Thank you, Lord. Help us all to hear your voice when you call, when you talk to us. Lord, let us never turn your voice away or turn it off in our life. Lord, for sin, for this world, to listen to men, to listen to the devil, to listen to ourselves. Lord, uh, we have nothing to say. Lord, you are everything, and we need to listen to you. Thank you for your word. Lord, it's precious, it's pure, it's powerful. Lord, let, may you have the preeminence in our life that's first place in all we say and do. We thank you for speaking to us tonight. I pray everybody was blessed. I pray for those who are receiving Christ as their Savior right now. Lord, I pray that you will give them the faith, the trust in you. Let them get into that barrel, Lord, and you take them across. Take them across to that river, Lord. Thank you, oh God, for all you've done for us. And if there's anyone here that's still not saved, I pray, Lord, that tonight you'll give them the courage, Lord, to just maybe take me or uh, somebody in here aside and say, hey, I, I want to know how to get saved. Can you show me? And it'll be the best day of their life. Lord, we thank you for the food and all those who prepared it. I pray you bless the fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We have food uh, downstairs. Uh, if you're able to, please go downstairs, enjoy the food and fellowship. And uh, let's give a hand of applause to everybody who uh, helped prepare the food.
also, to, tomorrow we have uh, our third service of our revival. Tuesday, uh, tomorrow night at 7, we're going to have the same thing, food as well. And uh, I promise you, if you set aside your life, this is not every day. Tomorrow's the last night of the revival. We do have church Wednesday night, but tomorrow's this last special night. If you set aside your life, I promise you, God will do a great work. Set it aside. Be out tomorrow, and I promise you, you will be blessed. All right. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you downstairs.